You are listening to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Thursday, April 21st, 2022. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. What does a community lose when a neighborhood public school shuts down? The California Report looks into those closures as Oakland teachers contemplate a strike and an Inglewood enclave grieves over its local elementary school. After regional news and weather, Eleanor McDonald and Paul Cam explain why they sing on behalf of cats. We end with an essay by Molly Fisk. This is the California Report. I'm Alex Hall. California's red-hot housing market is showing some early signs of cooling. KQED's Aaron Baldessari reports the reason for that is both good and bad news for would-be home buyers. The median price of a home in California is now close to $850,000, up nearly 12 percent from the same time last year. But home sales are slowing down. Daryl Fairweather is the chief economist for the real estate website Redfin. She says that drop in demand means less competition. If you're a home buyer in San Francisco, you're probably going to start to notice that there's more selection for homes for sale. The main thing driving down demand is rising mortgage rates. The average 30-year mortgage rate has climbed to 5 percent, up from 3 percent last year, which means... It's not going to be any more affordable. It'll probably be less affordable. Fairweather's advice for buyers? I think it would be better to wait till summer when the market has probably absorbed this change more and things are just a bit more predictable. For the California Report, I'm Erin Baldessari. Staying with housing, Orange County is the latest market in California where the average price of a home now tops a million dollars. According to real estate data tracking company CoreLogic, more than half of Orange County zip codes now have a median pricing of one million dollars or more. Home prices in March rose nearly three percent from February, although those skyrocketing prices seem to have cooled sales, which were down nearly 20 percent from a year ago. The president of the Oakland Teachers Union is calling for a one-day strike next week to protest the district's decision to close schools without more community input. Oakland Educators Association President Keith Brown urged members to vote yes on the strike authorization, calling it necessary to get the school board's attention. OEA Executive Board Member Vilma Serrano says school closures are an attack on communities and the timing violates a union contract negotiation in 2019. The district reneged on the one-year commitment that they had made to engage families around this process. And so this is also for them, you know, this is for our families to make sure that they are able to be involved in the decision-making process around our schools. Members start voting on the strike authorization today. And it's not just Oakland. In Los Angeles County in the city of Inglewood, an elementary school is facing permanent closure this summer. Locals have started a petition to stop the closure, but the school district says low enrollment makes it too expensive to keep open. KCRW's Megan Jamerson has that story. Take a walk through Morningside Park and you'll find a quiet, well-kept, predominantly black neighborhood. It's middle class with the highest average income in Inglewood. And as home prices rise here, this is exactly the kind of place you would expect to find a cute little neighborhood school. Here's homeowner Taj Powell. 
there's million dollar homes here now. The average price is three quarters of a million and up. So why wouldn't you want a, a school in, in a neighborhood like that? You would never dream of closing a school in Beverly Hills. Powell and his wife, Mary Chang, bought a house down the street from Warren Lane Elementary so they could send their two boys there. The oldest was going to start kindergarten in the fall. Now Powell and Chang are the organizing forces behind a petition to stop the school closure. I mean, my child literally could walk to this school. It's, it's the ideal scenario, as well as, um, you know, I have family in the neighborhood and it's, you know, it's a community and um, not having a school in it, you know, it's hard to imagine. Warren Lane Elementary is a struggling school in the struggling Inglewood Unified School District. Only 143 kids attend the elementary school, which has room for 400 K-6 students. One reason may be student test scores. In 2019, only 5% were proficient at math and 15% were proficient in English on statewide standardized tests. Very low test scores are a problem across the district, and that leads parents to pull their kids out of Inglewood schools. Some students have gone to other school districts in L.A., Others have gone to charter schools. In Inglewood Unified, enrollment has dropped by more than half in 20 years, from an early 2000s high of over 17,000 students to today's projected low of just under 8,000. Fewer kids enrolled in schools is just bad news for school budgets, explains John Rogers of UCLA's Department of Education. Because enrollment is connected to educational funding, the district receives fewer dollars. It creates further instability and challenges in the district that then lead family members to be less inclined to send students there. They move to charter schools. It it undermines further enrollment, et cetera, et cetera. And when schools are closed in Black neighborhoods, there is an added level of complex feelings about yet another place of public ownership being lost, says Rogers, who studies education inequality. Schools, he says, are uniquely positioned to offer more than just book smarts. We feel a sense of connection to it. It's part of our collective identity. And I think that's a very different notion than this idea that public schools only are a place that provides instructional services to individual students. If the Warren Lane closure goes as planned, parents will have to enroll their students at one of the district's other schools, which is usually a car ride away. For many parents like Marion Cofield, this means fewer chances to benefit from living in a multi-generational community built up around a school, like meeting parents on the walk to campus. That community connection is invaluable to people raising kids, says Cofield. It changes how you look at yourself. It changes how the child grows up. It adds to their level of confidence It creates a different type of stability in them emotionally and mentally. And with public school enrollment projected to keep declining across California through 2050, communities can expect a lot more school closures in the future. For The California Report, I'm Megan Jamerson in Los Angeles. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine. Protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. Hint. Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from DrinkHint.com. Hint. Water with a touch of true fruit flavor. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt. 
whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And that's the California Report for Thursday, April 21st. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Alex Hall. Thanks for listening. In regional news, Nevada County announced today it has awarded $57,500 in relief funds to 23 microbusinesses affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. Each microbusiness received $2,500 in grant funding. Grant recipient Izzy Twinsky of Penn Valley was quoted as saying, I've been making a living performing for kids and families for nearly 50 years. I've never encountered a more challenging financial time than the past two years. This micro-grant helps keep me going. Twenty such grants are still open for applications until filled. The county is encouraging eligible micro-businesses to apply. Candidates for the Nevada City City Council are on the panel at the Rood Center until 7.30 this evening at a forum organized by the League of Women Voters of Western Nevada County. According to the League's website, other upcoming forums will feature candidates for Nevada County Clerk Recorder Registrar of Voters on May 3rd, State Assembly District 1 on May 4th, and Nevada County Assessor on May 5th. All forums begin at 6 p.m. A forum planned for April 28th with District 3 congressional candidates has been canceled because none of the candidates responded to requests to appear. The forums, in person at the Root Center, are streamed live on Comcast and Suddenlink Channel 18 and on the Nevada County Media website and YouTube channel. The video of the forums can be viewed on demand within 24 hours on Nevada County Media's Local Politics YouTube channel and on the League's YouTube channel. The audio of the forums will be available on the KVMR website as podcasts. A Lake Tahoe family puzzled by odd rumbling beneath their home over the winter discovered the cause when five bears emerged from hibernation, wildlife advocates tell us. A mother bear with three cubs and an adopted orphan cub took up residence in an unsecured crawl space under the home for the winter, the Lake Tahoe nonprofit Bear League wrote on its Facebook page, according to the Sacramento Bee. The human family, the Bear League wrote, thought they heard some odd rumbling, snoring-like noises but ignored it because it simply didn't make any sense. When the uninvited guests woke up Tuesday, the family called on the Bear League for help. According to the Facebook post, today the Bear family awoke and prepared to exit and the people in the house could no longer deny there was probably a bear under the house. Activists trying to shoo the mother bear out of the crawl space were surprised when four one-year-old cubs also emerged, the league said. Moving on to the regional forecast, as we cruise into Friday, expect widespread rain, heavy snow in the high country, and periods of gusty wind. Drier, milder conditions return this weekend and continue through next week. This evening in Nevada City and Grass Valley, rain and possibly a thunderstorm before 2 a.m., then a chance of showers until 4 a.m., a low around 38, and possible wind gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. On Friday, partly sunny with a high near 54, a low near 37, and a 40% chance of showers. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, a winter storm warning is in effect until 11 a.m. Friday. Tonight, expect snow showers mainly before 5 a.m. with a low of 23. A 50% chance of snow showers Friday, mainly after 11 a.m., with a possible new accumulation of less than half an inch. Partly sunny later Friday with a high near 40 and lows in the low 20s. 
In Sacramento and Woodland this evening, rain and thunderstorms before 2 a.m., then a chance of showers, a low of 47, and south wind gusts as high as 20 miles per hour. On Friday, a 40% chance of showers, mainly before 11 a.m., then partly sunny with a high near 67, clearing Friday night with a low in the mid-40s. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. On Sunday, Eleanor McDonald and Paul Cam will celebrate 40 years of singing together with a benefit at the Wild Eye Pub in Grass Valley. Who will benefit? Proceeds will go toward meeting the needs of cats who roam the streets of a Greek island. KVMR's Felton Pruitt has the details. We're talking with Eleanor McDonald and Paul Cam, who are going to be doing a benefit on Sunday, April 24th at the Wild Eye Pub. Eleanor, why don't you explain what the benefit's all about? Okay. Paul and I have been going to this northern Aegean island in Greece for 36 years. And, of course, I'm an animal lover got involved with the dog shelter there. And after several years, there were so many volunteers and donations that they didn't need help anymore, and the cats started to become a focus. So what we've been doing for the last 12 or 13 years is doing a benefit every April, and monies raised go for medications that are not easy to find there, and also towards vet bills, paying for sterilizations, you know, trap, neuter, and release, which is what we do, and also food, and food for the bottle babies because lots of little babies are found in the spring in plastic bags and garbage cans. So, you know, you you can imagine that breaks my heart. So we get this concert together, and all proceeds, which include the ticket sales, any donations people would care to make, and also proceeds from all of our CD and my book sales will go for this purpose. So talk a little bit about why the cats got into your heart. (laughs) Well, I'll have to say that the animals saved me as a kid, you know, and I actually like them better than most people. But I just started seeing after the dog, because I was a dog person, and after seeing the plight of these stray animals in a country where back then they really were treated like vermin. And I, I know the animals well enough to know that you know, they're sparkly beings, just, just as we are. And um, started to get to know some of the street cats, and some of them I knew year after year for up to 11 years. And the moment I get, I get off the plane on the island, they know I'm there. It's the weirdest thing, but not the weirdest thing, because animals are animals, and <laughs> they know better than we do. So um, slowly, slowly, uh, an association of amazing women who are not Greek got together and started helping the street cats and trying to educate the public, the villagers, that these really make beautiful pets. They get rid of vermin. And if they're healthy and they're not having babies constantly, there's going to be less cats on the island and happier cats and healthier cats. So that's pretty much what got me going um, from the dogs because they didn't need help anymore. And um, so this is what we do every year. So, Paul, what can people expect musically from you and Eleanor when they come to the benefit at the Wild Eye uh, on Sunday the 24th? Well, you know, Eleanor was just pointing out today, before we got on the phone with you, that this particular event 
this fundraiser this year comes at an auspicious time on the 40th anniversary of Eleanor and I singing together. And we were trying to figure out what that meant. And, and basically, I think it means that we met on the playground at school and started singing together then. <laughs> yeah, we were yeah. only five years old. Yeah, something, something like that. The playground of, uh, what was it, Deer Creek Open Mic <laughs> in Nevada City. Right, for all you local folks who remember the, uh, the first open mic that Paul Emery and, and Peter Wilson started. Anyway, really what it means to me is, you know, I'm grateful for the years I've spent singing with this wonderful woman and the causes that she has dragged me into. Um, I have grown to love as well. And I think that, you know, one of the things that we're going to be doing for this particular benefit, you know, is revisiting some of the older songs that we love singing. But also we have a new album in the works and we're going to be doing some of that material. Some of it is brand new. Some of it is stuff that we played back in November at the Nevada Theater. And and so musically, it'll be kind of a mishmash of that. The benefit is for the cats. Uh, I'm going to let you tell us the name of the island. <laughs> the cats of Skiatos, an go. island in Greece. Well, I was just going to add to that that, um, you know, I think that we we do hope people come. It's been a strange time. Everyone's getting used to seeing each other in person again at musical events. And this is no different for us. We really hope people will come out. And we, last year, we had to do this event from our living room. And the year before, everything had shut down right before. We did play at Wild Eye to like two people, but we live streamed that as well. And it, they both still were really successful. But we're really happy to be playing in front of actual live human beings again. And the other thing I would add is that, you know, people who have been a part of this effort on Eleanor's behalf in the past uh, know the, the scene and they know the deal. But basically everything really does go to a good cause and a very necessary one. And, you know, we, we adopt animals at home from our rescue shelters here and we're well aware of all that. But, but this place we've grown to love overseas is, is a place we like to, to work for. It's another home and we need to do what we can for in any way we can for our other home. We've been talking with Eleanor McDonald and Paul Cam. They're going to be playing the benefit at the Wild Eye Pub on April 24th, 6.30 in the evening. Sounds like a great cause. Thanks for uh, what you guys do. Hey, Felton, thanks for having us on. Thank you, Felton. And now, Molly Fisk. Molly Fisk, Observations from a Working Poet. Just a forewarning that I mentioned rape in this commentary. Please take care as necessary. I've been feeling guilty all morning because I forgot about the invasion of Ukraine. I didn't think about it at all over the weekend. Refugees crossing into Poland and Belarus, the smashed buildings, the formal photographs of poets and journalists who have been killed. When we have a wildfire here, I'm always amazed that my friends out of the area don't understand what it's like. But this is completely reasonable. How could anyone looking at a blue sky in Massachusetts feel the impact of a third week of black smoke overhead, closed windows in summer, air filters running 24-7? You have to wear a mask out to the car. You can't swim or take a walk, and it's 95 degrees in the shade. I've said this a hundred times, and I'll say it again. We are animals. We live by our senses. The human imagination is wonderful, but only goes so far. 
Some news outlet this morning posted a story about a Russian woman giving her soldier husband permission to rape Ukrainians as long as he used protection and didn't tell her about it. This stopped me cold for the same reasons it's stopping you cold. Who are we, a species that can think this, do this, ask a question like this of a spouse, give this answer? Not to mention, can we trust the source, or is it something horrifically gruesome made up to lure in more online readers? Who are we to even make this up? How can we stand ourselves? The reason this is so chilling, whether it's true or not, is the way it links a war crime with such domestic practicality. The trope of one spouse being jealous the other will stray is turned inside out and upside down. Someone who perhaps may perpetrate such awfulness, being advised to take care of himself in the process, is mind-bending. As if Jack the Ripper's girlfriend asked him please to not use their best carving knife this time. The only antidote I've ever found to my despair, both now for so many reasons, and back in my 30s when I discovered I'd been raped as a child, is to help someone else or do something positive and in this way to try to balance the scales so evil, though it exists, will not win. Taking any action, no matter how small, matters. Send $5 to Doctors Without Borders. Call your grandmother or someone else's grandmother. Pick up trash. Deliver lilacs. Forgive your stupid neighbor. Stop calling people stupid in your mind. Take three deep breaths and start over. You know what's out there that needs to be done, and you know your own capacity right now. Don't get mired in guilt, regret, or self-directed lecturing. Move. Stand up. Go to a shelter and help comfort the cats and dogs. You can't change public policy this evening, but you can work on that, too, over time. Collective action is very effective. Nag your representatives. Stand in the street with a placard. Drive people to voting booths. Run for Congress yourself or the school board. Focus on others and wield human kindness like the very powerful tool it is. Award-winning poet Molly Fisk writes, coaches, and teaches writing in California's Sierra Nevada foothills. You can reach her at mollyfisk.com. This program is produced at the studios of KVMR-FM, Nevada City, California. Funding is provided by Harmony Books of Downtown Nevada City and KVMR with support from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. That's our newscast. Coming up next at 6.30, it's Soundings 22. Host Al Stollers speaks with a Nevada City resident just returned from the Poland-Ukraine border. At 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. Then it's back to the music with Jazz Workshop at 8, hosted tonight by Derek Washington, followed at 10 by Jive AF with Step D. Luna. KVMR Community Radio gets support from Harmony Books of Nevada City, locally owned for over 25 years. 
next to the Chamber of Commerce at 130 Main Street. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 5.30, Sundays 11 to 4. Harmony Books carries thousands of books, including local authors. And Saul Barros and Audiology Associates Hearing Center, connecting the Nevada County community to the sounds of life. Offering holistic hearing health care, including hearing tests, earwax removal, hearing aids, and counseling. More information at grassvalleyhearing.com. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Stay safe, stay dry, and join us Friday at 6 for another edition of the KVMR Evening News.